0: Hello and welcome back to the Ecotag Podcast. As always, I'm your host, a one octopus drumline, Jay, and joining us always is my co-host, a dolphin hind pufferfish venom, Z. How are we doing today, Z? Yeah, no, we're doing pretty good. I had a big old sci-fi release this week. So we're going to start talking about Dune by. What's the director's name? I can never pronounce his name. Oh goodness, I can't either. Um, I think it's Denis. It's Villeneuve. Like yeah, Villeneuve. that's Villeneuve. Something like that. Yeah. He's. Uh, I think he's French Canadian. So. He's got a name that's hard for us poor English boys to say. Our soft English tongues. So Dune came out this week, and we we both watched it. We both watched it. Now the real question is, did we both enjoy it? I liked Dune just fine. I oh, pretty fun. Enjoyed my time with it for the most part. I tried to enjoy my time with it, <laughs> and I, I don't let's think it worked. Let's preface this by saying neither you nor I have ever read Dune. Right, no. Frank Herbert's Dune. Or watch as the a novel, David Lynch film, Dune. True, N- none of the none of the previous adaptations, really. Right. So our opinions of this movie are also going to essentially be our opinions of you know the story of Dune yeah, as a whole. Generally, so we don't have any specific opinions of it as an adaptation, obviously, because I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you what they did or did, you know, right or wrong based off it being an adaptation of of the novel because we've never read the novel. So so I don't know if that's going to color our opinions for the better or the worse for this because I'm sure there's some things in here where, like, they've been changed and, you know, like, maybe hardcore readers are going to not enjoy that. yeah And then there's probably some things which we'll are... Pay off later that we don't know about yeah that are would be good to yeah. set up if you read the book and we're like, oh, well, that's setting up this, this, and this. And I suppose there could be some element of it, like, there's definitely going to be things you'd enjoy more if you knew what to expect going in. Because I definitely found that just by doing a little bit of Googling after the fact, there's some stuff in here that they do not totally explain that you would have had a better uh, you know, like job understanding mm-hmm. if you already knew the knew the universe and everything. Right. Yeah. So overall, what, what would you give her? Just uh I don't know. I don't usually do it like subtle my sprint assignment, but So like a like a like how I'd rate it? Yeah. Um. Well, for the bad batch, we rate them out of seven. So I'm gonna do that again. The out of seven scale. <laughs> I'm gonna give it a four out of seven, maybe a four and a half. So, like I didn't like. I didn't think this movie was okay. bad. It broke even for you. It, at it it broke even purely because half of everything you'd want to see in a movie was very good and like pretty incredible, all things considered. And I was like, this is great. And then the other half that you'd want from a movie. Was like this is I don't care at all about any of this, and the, so, the now what, I'll, now what do you mean by that? No, I'll, I'll explain. <laughs> now the half that I enjoyed were like the things that aren't aren't a script, things you don't write in a script. So like character, like costumes, sets, like the sh- big shots, the way shots are set up. I don't know, cinematography and like music again, mm-hmm. as we always say, we're not film people, but like. If, it's, if it looks good, I'm gonna be like, that looks good. All that looked good. Like, the shots of the spaceships, the environments when they're on the forest planet, or when they're on a, Atari, what the hell is the planet called? Arrakis. Arrakis. Atari. I was called it Dune. When they're on the planet Dune. That's what they call it. That's why it's called that. Oh. I thought... But they call it... Because they call it Dune. Oh, like, no, they do, but, like, they call it Dune. Called it, that's why them. That's why it's okay, called that Dune. that makes sense, then. Yeah. But I thought all that looked cool, like like the spaceships and like war, like the way they fought all like the the i guess cosmetic stuff stuff that wasn't no i get what you mean i i totally agree i think the production value here was yeah thank you production value that's what i meant i thought it was great it looked really good like you said the costuming and everything they they built the world really well really good stuff there i totally agree yeah and i think i'm I'm probably with you where like my critiques of it will come down to some of the story decisions. Yeah, and and where it falls flat for me is just like the story. Like it's I don't I feel like not enough is explained for me to want to watch another movie. There's not enough set up that a part two will be like, oh now all my questions are gonna be answered. I'm on the edge of my seat. Because I, I saw somebody mention this in like a video I started watching about this movie. This just feels like a prologue. That just feels like a prologue to a much bigger story. And in a sense, it is these. I, from what the little I know about Dune, is that these books, there are six of them, mm-hmm. in this series, written only by Frank Herbert. So he, there's clearly a lot more to the story than obviously part one of book one. Mm-hmm. But even having said that, that doesn't make it better. Like doesn't excuse the fact that in a sense, there's a whole other story that kind of begins and ends within it. It's I, I. I totally agree. Even even if you just take it. From the perspective of ignoring the sequel books, just Doom as a as a book as a story, this obviously is only the first half of that, and I think I agree. I think it very much feels like part one of two, and I think again, like we just don't know the story, so it's impossible to say. But I think, like to to me, it feels at times like this movie's dragging its feet just a little to justify its two and a half hour runtime. Oh yeah, right. Because I, I just feel like there are part, parts where it could have, I don't know, it just feels like there's parts where it could have been a little quicker. The pace could have been a little little trimmed up and just moved at a, a bit faster. And it feels like you could have fit more story in. But I bet what they kind of determine is like, all right, there's no version of this movie that we can make, or these movies, whatever, where we can truly get it down to even one, like, three-hour movie, right? Hmm. So they're like, all right. Instead of doing one three hour movie, which is just impossible, even if we which obviously three hours is, is generally accepted to be too long for most cinema releases, they're probably like that still wouldn't be enough time. So instead, we'll split it in half and we'll probably pad it out just a little to justify making two, two and a half hour movies. And I feel like they could have made this one could have been probably closer to two hours or they could have trimmed some stuff out and put in a little more exposition to explain the way some of this stuff worked yeah. to the audience. Yeah, I I definitely agree. I also I've read. I also, feel like as far as the characters go, that there were a lot more characters than needed to be. Now, again, I probably say this. I don't want to read. It, keep repeating ourselves, but we don't know the story. So we don't know how these characters connect. But I feel as though, from the perspective of just this movie, that a lot of the characters could just be one character who has all their traits. Like, there's several characters who are like a third each represent a third of one character. But are split, mm-hmm. so to have three people in place of one or two. Are you, are you think like like the Atreides loyalist guys? Uh, yes. Like, like m- more specifically, I, who I'm referring to specifically is Duncan Idaho and Josh Brolin's character. Like those two characters could just be one character. Like they probably all three of them, right? So Duncan Idaho, Josh Brolin is Gurney Halleck, and then that third guy was thurfir Haywood, something some to that effect. Hmm. I kind of see what you mean. All three of those guys were advisors to Duke of Tritties, right? And because this isn't a book, we didn't get all the little side plots that I'm sure they have in the book and stuff. And so they just kind of ended up filling the same role, just less. Yeah. So I kind of see what you mean. But then at the same time, that's the type of stuff where yeah, purists would get very bothered by. Like people don't like compound characters in their adaptations, do they? No, at all. So I definitely see why they did that. But you're kind of right. Like ultimately. Josh Brolin doesn't do much in this movie. No, there's that like one scene he has with Timothy Chalamet where he fights, and then he goes mm. off to fight off the invaders or the other house that attacks them. But he could have. You're right. It could have just been Jason Momoa. Yeah, doing those scenes. And much. what's strange about it is that makes it even like I guess worse in a sense is that Duncan Idaho's character. He train. He's the one who trains him. And then he's like, "Yo, where's Duncan? He's supposed to train me." And the general's like, "No, right. I'm doing it now." So literally, they they are legitimately filling the same role, and they both fight in the battle. Like they're in the same locations, doing the same things. Yeah, I, I kind of see what you mean. Um, I had a couple specific things I wanted to talk about. So, what did you think of like the the universe that this this all takes place in? I see. And again, this is. You know, just generally the story, not just the movie. Because, again, we never read Dune. So. Uh, I think I think it was interesting, like, the house dynamics and stuff. Kind of like just larger scale Game of Thrones, essentially. That's that's the vibe I got very much as well. And, obviously, you know, we do know that Dune came before. Hmm. as obviously, so don't get us wrong. Because apparently people are getting bothered by, like, Hey, look at all these similarities to Star Wars that Dune did. That's a little weird. When you know, Dune came out in 1965, right? Obviously, not considering that Dune, the original novel, was an inspiration on Star Wars, not the other way around, obviously. But, um, I agree, I definitely got like a Game of Thrones vibe. I, I do think there's something weird about like a making a universe that is tens of thousands of years in the future, and yet, like, he, it seems that, um, Frank Herbert kind of went out of his way to create the universe that is very similar to like medieval earth in a way because you have this house dynamic. It's essentially returned to some form of feudalism, right? Um, The way he's created these shields and everything, the, the way they do combat, there's no like laser weapons or anything because of the shield. You have to use blades again. It's all bladed fighting. And um, the other thing is they don't really call attention to this in the movie, but after I like read this, it stood out to me, I guess, in retrospect. There's no computers in Dune um, because an event happened like 10,000 years in the past where AI essentially like took over the world for a time. Oh. And so they're very in the universe of Dune, they're very like wary of artificial intelligence and computers and stuff. So there's like a prohibition on pretty much any kind of computing um like even the most simple computers they don't have and that's why they have the like eugenics and stuff and and the spice and everything in a way that you can like modify humans Mm. and so that's why the third year guy there's that part he like does calculations in his head and like real quick it's just essentially they've like made humans to fill in that role. Like there's like human computers now instead. Right when his eyes slip in the back of his head. And yeah. He's like one navigator. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Exactly. So apparently that's the way they do things now. Which again, they don't really go out of your way to tell you in this movie, but if you obviously are familiar with the universe, that, that is something that you would know about. So I thought that was interesting. That aspect of it is kind of
1: cool. Yeah.
0: That they, again, after knowing that, you can tell, like, hey, there is no robots or anything in this movie. But I just think it's kind of... Again, I do think it's a little odd that, like, you have this far-flung sci-fi thing that, in a lot of ways, feels more primitive to like, than to what we even have now. Right, It's kind of interesting. Like, the reason Spice is so valuable is because they need the navigators to use it to navigate because they don't use computers. And I guess that's obviously necessary to facilitate the, the plot of this book but mm-hmm. or this story but still yeah they i feel like they don't do a good enough job exp- explaining everything like that because like when he wrote when he's like how much is this going to cost them and it's like one navigator but it's like what does that what does that mean what's is a navigator like a thing is it a person is it like a like a, um, a device that he says can only be used it, they don't like he uses he, he also uses some currency doesn't he doesn't he say like 12.6 million something or another, Yeah. Something like that. But I agree. Even still, it's kinda weird. It's very cool. Like you either the design. Like I'd like the design of all their ships. A lot of them are very minimalist, which is kind of cool. Oh yeah. I like that I like a lot. I thought the ships were super cool. I like a lot of the costumes that they were kind of weird and out there. Like at the same time it, if anything it's kind of goofy that a lot of them are still just wearing military uniforms that are not that dissimilar to what we wear now. But I like the weird out there like the big costumes with the big helmets and like they got like big heads and stuff. I don't know. A lot of that was kind of cool. What did you think of the the Jenny besser the witch ladies? Yeah. Not very clearly explained. I kind of agree. Like um, the the ma- like it's it's very strange this book because it's sci-fi but not really. Like it's I, that's kind of like, that's kind of what like, I mean what we've been, right? like what we've been saying like there's no computers they use blades and they have magic like they have like a magic system I think it's very much sci-fi fantasy right yeah it's kind of interesting though and again because I didn't really know about it until we watched this Dune is considered to be like one of the best sci-fi works ever it's I know it's like literally best-selling sci-fi book of all time so it's kind of it is kind of interesting that it uh it it doesn't have a lot of hard sci-fi in it, does it? No, not really. It is a lot more, like, fantasy-esque, I would argue. And then, like, more, uh, I don't know, more, like, probably cerebral as far as, like, the, the human side of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I know he deals a lot with And there's some of that in this, but I think it, it would get more into it, obviously, in, in a full-fledged book or even in the next part. But, like, religion and, like, psychology and stuff. And, again, like, the eugenics of it. More morality, I think, than hard science stuff. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. But yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't think this would be considered very hard sci-fi. Right? No, not like not, it's no. not around like wormholes and, and bending space time and warp drives and shit. It's like, yeah, there's this magic drug that gives people the superpower to travel through space and makes you like have psychic powers and stuff. Yeah, super powerful voice to like influence others. Something I want to bring up and like, that's why I started with the Jenna the Besserit there. I thought this shares a lot of similarities with The Wheel of Time, storyline-wise. I was going to agree with... I was going to say that it reminds me of Wheel of Time. It really does. Which, some of it's just kind of like tropes of the sci-fi fantasy kind of genre, I will say. Mm-hmm. But some of it is very, very similar. And again, Dune is before Wheel of Time, so don't get me wrong here. But obviously the Jenna Besserit are very reminiscent of the I Said I to me, which is kind of cool. And they only want As women... Like, yeah, it's it's this magical society, essentially, of women. And they, like, that whole thing about they are essentially, they're ostensibly working for the greater good, but they're also pulling strings, the, the strings of power across the galaxy to further their own ends, which is very nice I said mm-hmm. I, right? Like, that's them to a T. So, again, I think it'd be fair to say this was probably an inspiration on them. And then, obviously, um, Paul being, like, a chosen one. Again, the chosen one is a very common trope to a lot of sci-fi and fantasy. Yeah. Uh, but still, it's obviously reminiscent of, of Rand and the Wheel of Time. And, like, even down to the Fremen, I think, are comparable to the Aeol. Even just, if nothing else, because they're, like, desert people. Yeah, they live in the right? desert, and they're really good at fighting. And they're really good at living in the desert and, and finding water and stuff. And they're all about water. And right? shade and the Fremen and, and, and them, they're all about, yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool. I think there must be uh, influence there. Really? Yeah, I, I mean, I can't like really it. I mean, I like that. It, the it's only very, I guess, the only big difference is that most of the time in uh, the the chosen one, or not, maybe not most of the time, but a lot of the time, the chosen one in stuff like this comes from like humble beginnings, right? Mm. Whether that be like Luke or Anakin, the farm boy kind of Randall thing. Thor. yeah, the farm boy fantasy kind of trope. And this one, Paul, is definitively not that. No, he like, start he starts off as the prince. Yeah, he's the heir to like the most power, one of the most powerful houses in the universe, and he's also the product of thousands of years of eugenics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's so being bred to be powerful, they essentially knew before he was born that's what he's going to be. So that's a little different, but I guess that's fun. Mm-hmm. And I I know something that I think they changed in the books. I watched like a a thing about the first movie, David Finch movie where the Messiah thing, where all the people believe that he's the Messiah, that like, oh, all the Fre- Fremen believe that? Yeah. That in the, maybe in the book, but in the, the adventure movie, it's his mom that convinces them? Like, they don't think that? I, I At least from what I can tell, maybe I'm misreading it or I'm wrong, but from what I can gather from it, is that they don't actually believe he's the Messiah at first, and his mom like convinces them and like interprets their prophecy to fit paul in the best way possible and they go oh he's the messiah but in this movie from the beginning they're like oh he's here like he's our guy we know it so mm-hmm. i just think that's an interesting change probably for the best um i think i mean even in this though there is the element of like some of them are more believing than others right? well that's true but... obviously the guy he has to kill that's every prophecy kind of thing though yeah very actually very much we'll of a wheel of time then because it really yeah, happens for sure what do you think of that that scene where he had to kill gamas I I thought it was interesting because they were fighting, but I don't... Kind of just weird and out of nowhere right at the end. So, like, the thing that confused me about that, kind of, is he has those dreams where that guy is his friend and is teaching him things, right? Yeah. He's like, I'm going to teach you how to live in the desert. And then he kills him. So, I guess he's, you know, the way his dreams work is that, like, maybe, like, potential futures, not really the one defined future, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's probably why That's probably why he was reluctant to do so, right? Like, to fight that guy. In addition to, obviously, the whole he had never killed a man before. But I think also probably he was like, well, this guy I saw in my dreams. That this guy is nice and helps me. I don't want to kill him. Yeah, he just gets him the kidney and he dies. Yeah. Okay, so this says right here. I'm, I'm looking on the wiki here. It says, a lot of people prefer to Dune as science fiction. I never do. I consider it an epic adventure in the classic storytelling tradition, a story of myth and legend, not unlike the death of King Arthur or any messiah story. It just happens to be set in the future. So, there you go. Yeah. That was, by the way, that was a quote from John Harrison, who he adapted Dune for the 2000 sci-fi miniseries. So, like, that kind of supports what we were saying. It's like, it's not a lot of sci-fi stuff. Um. This says Dune has been called a mix of hard and soft science fiction. The attention to ecology is hard, like the animals and stuff, mm-hmm. the way that the desert works, I guess. Um, anthropology and psychic abilities are soft. Hard elements include the ecology of Arrakis, suspensor? I don't really know what that is. Sus- suspensor technology. I weapon systems. Probably to suspend yourself, like levitation. Oh, okay. Um, weapon systems and ornithopters, while soft elements include Issues relating to religion, physical and mental training, cultures, politics, and psychology. Yeah, I think that's fair, right?
1: Yeah, I too. so.
0: I'm surprised that they say the Ornithopters are part of the hard sci-fi. Cause that seems a little fantastical to me. Those things are kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I think they're fun. I like that they're like bugs. Oh yeah, they're very cool, for sure. But yeah, I don't know, that's kind of, that's, that's most of the things I wanted to touch on. Again, I enjoyed it. I kind of agree, though. They didn't, at the same time, like, they somehow you know only told half a story but they also kind of did it in a way where you're not like clamoring for the next part yeah it's kind of they didn't do enough to really hype you up for it i feel like like. i really feel as though like the beginning of this movie should be like towards the middle of the movie of of a different movie where in which like a wreck house atreus gains power the emperor sees him as a threat sends them gives them arrakis starts like a fight between the two houses. And then Paul is like exiled and like has to learn. Like he's the last of his house. I will say Same. that is a that is a story in and of itself. But like it's not it's not it's not the story that Dune is. So it's strange. This is kind of something I wanted to mention. Um, I think it's the plan of the Emperor and House Harconis is strange to me because the Emperor and the Baron of Harconis both decide they don't like House Atreides. He's too powerful. They need to get rid of him. Right. Mm-hmm if my thing is that I don't understand is that if the Emperor and the baron of Harkona is there who are supposedly some of the most powerful people in the galaxy, right? Or maybe the two most, the other two most powerful individuals other than Duke Atreides. Why don't they just outright attack him? Like why this whole, why the whole yeah, like farce here? Why the whole like white elephant sale? Like why do they give him yeah, an elephant that he I can't don't really take get him? it? Especially if they, if Arrakis is actually valuable, right? Like it's, you know, even though Duke of Trade is recognized it as a trap, them sending him there, it is also still very much a real, like, valuable thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because it has all the spice that is actually, like, important to the, to the guys, and it has the potential to make you rich. Instead of sabotaging it on their way out and, like, oh, we're going to leave behind all the shitty equipment and you're not going to have any fun, just to attack him like, two weeks in, why didn't they just attack them? Like, the only thing I can think of is that they were too secure on their homeworld, like, by doing by sending them to Iraqis, they've made them vulnerable. Yeah, they've they've even still. Them. It feels odd to be like, all right, we're gonna go there and then we're gonna launch a big attack on Iraq. It's the place that we want because it has all the good stuff. We're gonna sh- like surely that attack also will cripple their ability to produce spice for at least some time, mm-hmm. right? And they want and they mentioned the Baron mentions in the movie that he wants to get it back before like a certain time in which the spice price will drop and he'll make less money. -hmm. So like there is a he's like well I we need to get them out of there and get back on track immediately so we can start up again so you're right like if they just destroy the city what's the point why would they destroy the trees that were that they put there like I thought the same thing it seems very odd to me I don't really get it to be honest that part of it seems goofy it should have just not done that like if again if the emperor and the Baron there. Both just really hate him, and like were planning from the beginning to turn on him. It seems like sending him to the good planet that they all want was the worst thing to do. Yeah, it's just wasting time. Again, I guess the argument the the thing has to be that he was too powerful, like and too too well established on his home world, and they had to get him off balance somehow. But it still seemed odd, especially since he sends like he's like oh well I'm just gonna like that like helps him even more like beyond the fact that he gets all that spice he wants to meet the Freeman and like, Oh, I'm going to make alliance with them because they're super strong. And if they join me, I'll be even, we'll be even more powerful than before. Yeah. And we'll tell ta- can we'll... teach us, We can teach us the desert power. Yeah. Well, desert power. That was kind of a dumb line. We just says desert power. Little, yeah. I kind of agree. A little dumb, but, and he only, like he's, he's on the way to succeed. Like he sends Duncan like weeks ahead of him to like mm-hmm. handle, like start relations. Yeah. Like, he seems to, yeah. It seems like immediately he has better relations with him. The, the and then Harkonnen did right, hmm. and like you talked about, they learn how many there actually are, whereas the Harkonnen had no clue, really. They because of their because they were constantly antagonistic with them, they'd never been in there. They'd never like learned how many really existed. Yeah, truly were there. So, I yeah, that's I don't know. I mean, if they end up making a sequel, I'll definitely see it for sure. Oh, yeah. I also think it's odd that they. Seem to kind of wanna underplay how this is only part one of the movie, and I've seen a lot of people say something to the effect of like, "Oh, I don't even feel comfortable like sort of rating this yet, really, because it's only the first half. I want to see the full story." And I think that's, I think that's whack, Uh, because I think if you're gonna do this, you're gonna put it out on its own. It needs to stand on its own. Yeah, you can't just be like, "Yeah, we only made half a movie, but it's okay because we did that on purpose." We've made two halves of a movie, so. Just watched it together, as in like six hours. What's also crazy is that I think this movie must have been quite expensive. So this says 165 million. That's pretty expensive. That's not insane though. Um, that's not including marketing, mind you, which is iffy because this is a movie that got delayed, um, and so the marketing budget would have had to gone up. Uh, so far, it's grossed 220 million. So it's on its way to, to making its money back, at least. But the question is, if is if it's gonna make enough to justify a sequel, which is not a great place to be in. You don't want to be in a place where you're working hard to finish your movie, finish the story. Yeah, exactly. I guess I hope they do, and they can make a second one, um, at least. I hope we I hope we get a twelve movie series of Dune, where each book is cut in half. And we we joked about this off the show. Is like, I think this is the first time I can think of where a uh the first book in a series was split into two. <laughs> Like yeah, usually you wait till your last movie and you split that into two, but this one just right off the bat, it's pretty audacious. Gotta say, it really is. The other thing is like kind of crazy thing because this movie's already been delayed by almost a year. They made this movie in like I don't know twenty nine, twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen, which is kind of crazy because they haven't even you know started on a on a second one yet, like. These people are going to be older. Yeah. I mean, it's only a couple of years but still. The golden boy, I Timothy Chalamet, is not going to... Well, I literally, I feel like it's going to be hard. To, so we don't really talk about this specifically, but the cast on this movie is kind of crazy. Right. Um, so a lot of A and B listers, I would say. And I feel like you're going to have a hard time coordinating coordinate all these people. Not to be fair, they kill some of them, right? Yeah. But they don't need Oscar Isaac again. Yeah. Or Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa. So, but still. It's it's pretty ambitious. So I don't know how they're going to do it. Going for here. Again, I guess I hope they make it, but that, jeez. I mean, that means that, what? They're going to have a sequel. Part two of this movie is going to come out in, in 2023 or something obnoxious. Like 2024. I guess I guess for that reason, it's it's kind of good that we're not at the edge of our seat about a sequel, eh? Yeah, it's just, we're not like, when are they going to make it? It's like, oh, it's coming out. Oh, I guess we can care about it now. All right. Are you all set on doing? Uh I I really didn't like. I'll say one thing they, they just I feel like Duncan Idaho, wasted character. Truly a wasted character opportunity. Yeah. Like they do you care if I spoil it? I don't care. How much like, So Duncan Idaho, I was reading, um, is is uh resurrected at some point later on. Or I think just in the next book. Oh. So he dies in Dune, and then apparently a bunch of people were like, Duncan Idaho is really cool, Frank Herbert, why'd you kill Duncan Idaho? Now, I should say um, it's a stupid fucking. Movie. I was gonna say dumbest fucking <laughs> I've ever heard. For a man born in uh the year like thirty thousand or something obnoxious. I think I think um, it's ten thousand. So it is, but I was reading that's not the year because their 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 date system is based off a different event. Oh. So it's actually like thirty thousand years in the future. Oh. Okay. Um, because they're going off of that AI thing. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I was reading, and that takes place like eleven thousand years in the future it's like 11,000 years in the future, then they reset. So it's, for us, it'd be like almost the year 30,000 or something. Sir. Okay. Even still, why on earth is that man's name Duncan Idaho? Why is the his name Paul? <laughs> like, why is his name Paul? Very, what, what I was his watching, mom's name is Jessica. What? <laughs> what? Why, why are they named like that? What? I was watching with by some of my friends. They were, my, they had the same thing. They were like, why is his name Paul? It's the future. Like, yeah. it's, it's a strange Because name. it's this, it's this, like, sort of dichotomy, right? It's either the most ridiculous, like, impossible-to-pronounce words and made-up names and stuff that you ever seen, or it's just pretty standard. Or just like, Idaho. Paul. Duncan. That's a nice name. Yeah. That's just a fine name. Like, it's ridiculous, right? Truly. Like, uh, people said that about Luke, like, Star Wars, like Luke, but I don't think Luke is—I think Luke's a little more uh out there of a name, maybe. And it, Luke is, like, the worst of them. Maybe Ben. It's, like, Ben Kenobi. Yeah. Still. Star Wars is pretty consistent about having goofy names, I think. Whereas, yeah, it's weird to be. His name's Duncan out Yeah. But
1: yeah,
0: apparently, because he liked him so much, they just resurrected him. And so he's in. Apparently, I was reading, he's the only character to appear in all six of his Dune books. So apparently, that's how well liked he is. Huh. Not even, that he outlives. not even Paul Space Jesus. No. No, he outlives Paul. Really? I was reading. No, yeah, Paul's, um. I think Paul's maybe only in, like, about half of them because his son goes on to be the big guy. Oh. his son becomes the god emperor of the universe why well, doesn't he become god emperor wouldn't that make him immortal yeah i don't know man i really don't know yeah i thought see i really considered like maybe i'll read dune just to fucking read it i don't think i will honestly i saw someone say that dune reads like it expects you to have already read dune <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of the vibe of this movie as yeah. well <laughs> like oh you yeah you, you know this i'm just it's like Oh, of course. This movie you've seen ten times. You know Dune, so I don't even tell you <laughs> about navigators and spice and the and the magic system. Like, no, you do. All right. Attack! Attack! Let's talk about Hayden Christensen. So, oh, our golden yeah. boy. Second week, second week in a row, we're gonna talk about him. We talked about him last week. That's right. For the same so, reason, actually. Yeah. He's he's been uh, rumored to return in Ahsoka, right? Not even no I even know rumored. I know. So the Hollywood Reporter has the exclusive t- scoop that Hayden Christensen will be returning to ahsoka now i think this is potentially more exciting than him being in kenobi personally right because in kenobi it's been now it's been speculated that there's going to be other things going on but primarily he's in kenobi as darth vader right Mm -hmm. which i don't know if i've said on the show but i think i've definitely said it to you i personally am not even sold on i feel like it's controversial within like the Wars fandom say this because everyone loves him and I do think he does. I I think it's fine that everyone's like real nice to him nowadays, just as a uh, recompense for being shitty to yeah, him for like years, just like a general courtesy to not be mean to somebody because of the movie they were in. So I I think it's great that everyone's like he's having a bit of a renaissance among the uh, the fandom, and everyone loves him again. Great, good on him. I do think that you know cri- criticism of his uh, performance in the prequels is still valid in that. He doesn't turn in the best performance, and I also don't think it's fair to just say that it's George Lucas's fault. Like, oh, it's just the script and the direction. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit of both. I really think that he's not putting in his best work there, it, particularly in effect the clones. He's definitely better in *Revenge of Sith* and all, but whatever. I, I personally was kind of surprised that being, you know, that being said, I was surprised when he was announced for won How excited people were because I was like, why are we certain he's not going to be kind of iffy again? Yeah, be like kind an iffy actor. He never really was meant to be Darth Vader, right? Like, it's strange to me that they think he's going to be the best Darth Vader because he really... I know they're the same character, technically, but at the same time... They're not, really. They're not. They're very different. It's like, and it's like... the Kylo Ren-Ben Solo thing. Like, they're both yeah. Adam Driver, but Ben Solo doesn't have any lines in the sequel trilogy, so... Well, even to the point that, like, Darth Vader physically is a very different individual, right? Yeah. Hayden Christensen's, I guess, going to be in the suit, or maybe not be in the suit? Or is he even going to be the voice, but not the... Like, it remains to be seen. But I remember being like, I don't... I really don't know about this, because he, he can't do it all for certain, right? Right. Like, even in episode three, they had him in the suit. The, the brief scenes that Darth Vader appears in, you know, fully formed, that is Hayden Christensen in there, just obviously with James Earl Jones as a voice. And I think you still need either James Earl Jones, if he's still willing to do it, or someone else to do the voice because i just don't think it's i just don't think he can do it right yeah it's nothing against him but that's not that's not what we're going for and then he's not really physically big enough himself to actually be darth vader either no i'm um, he. he's not he's not super tall no i think he's fine but like they had to give him big shoes and stuff to be darth vader in in episode three there and all like so i don't know again it runs he's seen i'll reserve judgment i'm not trying to tear him down i think it'll be great and i do think the potential for flashback scenes, and Obi Wan's also cool. Although, once again, I, it was weird to me how many people were just like immediately, like, oh, that must be what they're doing. Um, because I think, now obviously, we know Disney created like de aging and shit. Yeah. So I think they could easily pull off a Ewan McGregor, Hayden Christensen, Clone Wars flashback where they convince us that they're both, you know, 20 years younger like they were. Mm-hmm. But even still, if, if that's really the case, a couple of flashback scenes to me did not justify bringing him back. I also definitely haven't mentioned this on that show, I don't think. But I have reservations about Darth Vader appearing in that show, period. Right. I think it's I think it's very very uh I think we might have I mentioned it, uh very in a very early episode because I believe we talked about how people want to see Order sixty six when Darth when Anakin kills all the oh, zombies yes. and we were like why? That's fucked. Like that's a very very strange it's a very dark scene to want to see on Disney Plus. hmm yeah. Like if you really think about what you're asking, you don't actually want it. You think you want it, but you don't. Like Or you're just actually kinda messed up. Yeah, you're actually kinda not the kind of fan we want. You know? Yeah, no, we you're right. Um also the, uh, the dumb thing about that is you see it from his perspective in the movie. Like Yeah. He pulls out his lightsaber they Essentially re- they're just saying, I want more. I want to see, see him kill again? even more people. Can I see him stab a kid to the chest with a laser sword and brutally murder a defenseless child? yeah it's very hard for me to uh once again i'll reserve judgment but i think for me i try and i try not to be this guy i try to go into especially star wars because i like it all i try to go into it just being like oh i'm probably gonna like this but uh at this point i'm a little worried that obi-wan's gonna be something of an uphill battle for me because that's a very for me that's kind of a hurdle we have to get over of convincing me why did obi-wan leave tatooine how did how do obi-wan and anakin face each other once again in between in like a convincing way. Yeah, isn't the whole point they don't see each other again? They don't. Yeah. It's very odd. Obi Wan's whole thing is that he never leaves Tatooine and Yeah, it's it's very it to me it feels very hard to fit into the canon somewhere that Obi Wan and Darth Vader fought like literally in person at some point between the movies. That all being said, kinda kinda got a little off track here. I think him being in Ahsoka is much more exciting because of the time period right yeah because this this show is set around the same time as uh the mandalorian season two i guess or whatever mm-hmm. around that same either season really um it takes place well past return of the jedi right so he's not going to be darth vader in any fashion He'll be a force ghost i think he'll be a force ghost that seems to be the common uh yeah, yeah the common sort of theory around it which i think awesome yeah i, I think like That's- that to me way more interesting yeah much cooler i think it it gives. You'll get a we'll get a different performance, like just it's a different character at this point. He's like reformed, absolutely. You're, actually, yeah, very well said. It's a totally different character, right? This is a character we've never seen really, right? We've seen Clone Wars era Anakin, we've seen fallen Darth Vader, but we've never seen like redeemed Anakin Force mhm um, other than like very briefly in in some non-canon books and stuff. So I think that's great. I think it's got a lot of potential and ahsoka is obviously someone that it makes sense for him to be interacting with right yeah like if darth vader or i guess anakin skywalker is going on something of a of a redemption tour right ahsoka would be one of the first stops he'd need to make i think Yeah. would be like hey what's up man remember when i trained you like, obviously sorry i went evil yeah sorry i went evil can i help you out with something maybe okay you need any help you need like taxes space taxes what are you, what's going on <laughs> So, I think it's really cool. And uh, people have been, you know, long speculating that this Ahsoka series will be the opportunity for Ahsoka and Luke to finally meet. Now, obviously, that's going to be also kind of hard to do because of ages, but still. Right, yeah. Some kind of three way meeting between Ahsoka, Anakin, and the ghost of Anakin Skywalker. Or Ahsoka, Luke, and the ghost of Anakin Skywalker. Sounds pretty sweet, man. Cool. I mean, I, I do like, that's probably my favorite. I guess, version of Luke that I've encountered because I don't I only I mean I've only I only watched the movies and watched the shows I don't read the comics or anything like that I like like all kind of black Return of the Jedi green lightsaber Luke mm-hmm. green lightsabers are probably my favorite of the colors pretty cool I think right? they look cooler than blue just personally they are pretty fun Jack are you one of those fans I don't like who's see Disney needed to listen to them when they made the Last Jedi this is what Luke really should be. Well, no, we've talked Luke, about that. Luke should oh. just be kicking ass all the time. No, no, we talked about that. Like two years, when the movie came out, like three years ago, four years ago? How old that movie? Uh, Five years now.
1: Or er, five years next year. Sorry. Came Jesus out, Christ. Uh,
0: 2017. So four years. Yeah, right yeah, we talked about it when it came out four years ago. But yes, I do believe that. I think Luke should have done force judgment because he learned it from the ghost <laughs> of Plo Koon. Um, uh, I yeah. just, more than anything... Whatever your thoughts on Luke are, or whatever, the Last Jedi, it's pretty goofy to me. I think to be like, hey Disney, you should have listened to Disney when you made your Star Wars, because <laughs> <laughs> it's not really different people, is it? No, it's just there's trying to be like, ah, see Disney, you should listen. Look at look at this thing you also made that I like better, and Disney's like, ah, so we did get you something. Yeah, so you liked one thing we made. So we so you're saying you liked it. So you're saying you liked it? Okay, good. Buy our products. And you're also saying you watched the other thing. You didn't like it, but you did watch it. Oh, okay. Well, then we don't. We win. <laughs> we just definitively win forever. We have won. You watched. You watched it all regardless. Excellent. Um. All right. That's probably it. Right. Yeah, it's probably about it. Set up for the. Uh, still. So. Uh, do you think? No, he, it's not about for a while. So actually, I. I that's a offended, but I just thought of it just now. Do you think circle will tie any more into the Mandalorian because she has ties to Mandalore? Yes. So. The, um, the kind of going, whatever you call it, rumor, speculation right now, the, uh, the way it's, it's, I've heard it described is that the, cause there's obviously a bunch of Star Wars shows that are going to start rolling out, right? Mm. And some of them, like Lando and Acolyte and other ones, have a lot less sort of connection to, to The Mandalorian, right? Whereas obviously you have a, another group of these shows that are spinoffs of The Mandalorian. And the sort of rumor is that, those shows will all kind of have like their own season or seasons. And then there'll be something of a, of a crossover. Right. Yeah. That will bring together Ahsoka, uh, the Mandalorian Rangers of the Republic, and maybe one other one. But that's, that's sort of the going, the working theory right now is that they will all culminate in some, some sort of like event series where they all crossover. Kind of like, um, secret invasion as it were. Yeah, Maybe.
1: Maybe they'll be in like, *Secret
0: Invasion*. Maybe Ahsoka in *Secret Invasion*? Ramadel Pod. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I think Ahsoka's is going to have some connected to that. Um, I don't think it's definitively stated yet. No, I think it is. It 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 does take place after her appearance in *The Mandalorian*. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's also like you don't now you're not familiar with this because you've never seen *Rebels*, but there's also a lot of you know speculation that. Ahsoka will serve as something of a sequel to Rebels because there's loose threads, loose ends left off from that show um, that involve her that people are hoping will be, will be tied up. So, and they they also kind of it's implied through uh, her episode in Mandalorian season two that that's what she's she's after. So I think it's good news. I'm excited. Yeah, I agree. It's Interesting to see how it goes. I guess we'll tech into our second ooh second movie topic. Secret second movie uh mm-hmm. we talk about let's see i wrote it down this movie i can't remember its name uh a <laughs> film called iron man yeah may not have heard of may it may not have heard of it it's a, bit, it, of a it, bit of a hidden gem it was an interesting choice they made to hire robert Downey jr because he has had a history of uh drug abuse so it's interesting <laughs> they pick him with his rocky um past history but you know it keeps him on the up and up good on him good on him. so, so this, yes <laughs> we we've joked before on the show that jack has for some reason, neglected to watch any of the Iron Man movies, and uh, we thought it'd be fun that we were, you know, didn't have a ton of stuff to talk about, so I made Jack watch Iron Man against my own um, will. Um, listeners, just like I was forced to which watch, which is absurd. The, it's crazy. What Jack? The, what, the, what were you forced to watch? The other thing, um, the not Return of the King. What was it? Um, with Ben Kingsley. <laughs> what's it called? Oh, the one shot. Uh, all hail the king. All hail the king. I was like, it's not the yes, once in future king. Yes. That's also King Arthur. <laughs> Just as with that, I, I did indeed hold you at gunpoint and make you watch this under threat of death. I'm forced to watch a thing in a franchise that I like and have a show yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. One of our, our great running jokes is that for a show about pop culture that we do, I am notorious in not <laughs> doing that thing. Jack really takes it personally when I try to get him to watch pop culture. <laughs> So have th- here we are. You finally watched it. But... 2008's Iron Man, one that started it all. What did you think? Uh, I thought it was a bit derivative. No, of course it was of good. What? Fucking, it's Iron Man. Of course it was good. Like, pretty solid. We right? wouldn't be. We wouldn't have the show if it wasn't good. Like we wouldn't be exactly. talking about fucking Secret Invasion if this wasn't good. It's sh- it moves quicker than I thought it would, but it's not a bad thing. I just. I just, for some reason, I like, I knew some of the major beats of the movie. Like, I knew about Ironmonger, and like, I knew kind of like the events that occurred, but I thought there was more in between them. I don't know what I thought would be in between them, but I thought there was just more, but there wasn't, which (laughs) I like, it's not like a, it's, it's, I don't know, this isn't really a criticism, more a positive, it's just a thing that my brain did. I don't know, my brain made the movie longer and added, like, oh, there's like, if there's if there's really 15 scenes in the movie, I added like 18 in my head oh. for some reason, but there wasn't. But anyway, so I right, I don't you know, I guess I should say I watched it again as well, but I've seen it many times. Right, of course, this is not my first time. Um, and I liked it. I liked it. I don't know. A lot of people for years and years have rated it very highly, even into the more modern, like even into Phase Three and stuff. People consider it one of the Best. I don't know if that is for me. I don't know if it breaks my top five necessarily. It uh, it does not break my top five. That's that I can uh, say. It might be right around there though. I think it's great. I don't know. I've always liked it. I do think it's it's really just solid. So I had a whole checklist of things I wanted to ask you about, Jack. Oh, perfect. Are we doing the James Bond thing where I do one word responses, or is more? Nah, like nah. This can be substantial. More drawn out. Okay. Yeah. So, um, first thing I want to know this movie was made by Paramount, right? Right. Um, wow they were still making the Marvel stuff. So this is before Disney acquired Marvel. And in truth, the entire phase one of the MCU was, it was that, I think. Mm-hmm. Let me check. I want to say Disney bought Marvel in 2011. So, oh no, I'm sorry. They bought them in 2009. All right, I'll take it all back. So it'd only be a couple of them, but this was definitely one of them. So maybe this was the, maybe it was only this and uh, Incredible Hulk. So I apologize. I'll probably just edit that out to smart. <laughs> but uh so this movie was made by Paramount, right? And I think you can kinda tell a little bit. I don't think it's a massive total difference, but I think this movie is just a just a tad bit more edgy than the MCU would go on to be. Do yeah. you agree with that? I, I yeah, I could definitely I definitely agree with that. I can see where that would between come the, from the women and the boozing and the Yeah, there's yeah, a lot more drinking, it's a lot more like pole dancing stewardesses on his private chat. Right? Yeah. <laughs> There's just people like just military convoys being attacked. And... I was gonna say, I think some of the action's a little more graphic. Um, yeah, you know the terrorist situation's pretty edgy. I would argue, than, like Maybe. being captive and stuff. So his him going into cardiac arrest. Yeah, I, I think it's it's I think it's pretty solid. I think a lot of them, even the the later MCU movies that do involve like guns and stuff, can feel a bit bloodless, right? Like mm-hmm. probably. Winter Soldier, right, is one of the ones that's more grounded, right, because it's Captain America, and it's like a, a... spy thriller. Political, yeah, exactly. It's like a espionage thriller kind of movie. That's a lot of guns and shooting and shit, but um, even then, there's not a lot of blood, is there? Like, No, not much to speak of at all, except for when Samuel Jackson gets attacked in his car. Yeah, probably. So, yeah, I think that's just something that's fun to point out. And again, it's only one movie, as opposed to, at this point, there's like 22 other movies that have... Uh, cemented sort of what is the mcu sort of standard tone but uh i think it's just fun to point out what do you think about tony stark prior to his his uh sort of redemption or whatever you call it his awakening uh prior to when he's in the cave yeah i mean dickhead big dickhead (laughs) right like pretty unenjoyable like i'm like man i really like i know like i know i know how the story like i know how you end up but like man you're like the worst well, and we've talked about on this show that even afterwards, we don't, um, he's not, we don't found Tony Stark to be our favorite character. dancing. No. He's, and I would, he's, well, yeah. there's, and maybe, maybe we've, we've echoed this point before, but I guess it bears repeating. I, in that vein, I think there's a difference that people don't think about between a good, like, I, I, I as a D&D interior, alignment character. Someone who does good, and a well-written mm-hmm. character, because those two things a lot can be mutually exclusive. Like you can have you can have Captain America who is well-written and a good person, and Tony Stark who is well-written and not that nice of a guy. Yeah, you can have it both ways. Absolutely, I definitely don't think he's like a bad man. No, uh, but he's kind of a I I've maintained that. Throughout the entire MCU, he's kind of a dick. He's not very nice. No. Not and at all. needlessly as well. Like, I think he's unnecessarily kind of mean sometimes to people for pretty much no reason. But I, he is obviously a hero. Like, he's a good guy. The universe is better off for having him, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously in Endgame, you know, he ultimately makes the sacrifice that saves the world. Like, he's obviously a good dude, but he's kind of a bad guy at the same time. <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of, we'll get to this in a second, but, like, that is, sort of a big difference as well is that he doesn't change that much. He, he obviously his motives change and like what he's about kind of changes, but personality wise, he stays pretty, pretty similar. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not as much doing the drinking and the boozing and the women or whatever, but he is still kind of just a, a, a bit of a dick and he's a bit of a megalomaniac and he's, you know, he's still kind of a playboy and all, mm-hmm. even after the fact. Um, what did you think of of Yenzen and like the the specific sort of origin scene? I like that scene. I thought him and Jensen were had pretty good chemistry, I guess. Like, and then when he like ultimately dies, he's like, "Hey, we're gonna go see your family." He's like, "They're dead, man." Like, I'm gonna yeah. go with them. I, like, I remember I that like, being man, that's really sad. Yeah, the first time I saw it. So did that surprise you that Jensen died and that you know the little reveal that when he was talking about his family, I, think they I knew that also, already. Our, I remember the first time I saw it. I um, was definitely surprised. Granted, like, oh, it has geez. been what, thirteen years? So yeah, I and I'm and I know a lot of this Marvel stuff. So like, I won't lie. This movie, what like nothing surprised me. This movie because I knew most of what happened. But like, mm-hmm. I mean, it still was sad. Like I knew it was coming. Yeah, but I was like, man, I really like every time. It's that exact line. Definitely got me yeah. the first time I saw it. I was like, oh, jeez, wow, all right. Yeah. Um, but like the origins, cool, right? Right. Yeah. It's very. Uh so obviously i mean, man, very old character but that um and as a result of that as time goes on you have to sort of uh retroactively you know change it you know they have to retcon um things about them because originally his origin was tied to the vietnam war which as time goes on becomes less and less conceivable yeah time wise so in recent years it has been shifted to afghanistan and um the other right around this time, actually, in the comics, um, during the extremist arc, I think they do the it. Because one of the things is, like, when you have these old established characters, very often, you know, every so often, they just have to crank out, like, a another version of the origin. Yeah. Just to make sure people are caught up. And they did that with the extremist story, I think. Um, they were like, hey, also tied into this. There's, like, a flashback origin of them. And they tied it into into Afghanistan. I do believe in that as well. And the other thing is, like, i, I want to say i don't know how much they lean on this but technically in the marvel universe there's like a fictional war um i think at some point they were like all right let's just create a fictional war to to explain away all these events right mm. that like because so many characters have their origins tied into some kind of huh. war or being veterans or something and obviously at the time it was often at uh vietnam war but again as time goes on believable, so they're like all right we have this made up conflict wherein tony stark was captured and you know reed richards and ben grimm were veterans and they were veterans, Punisher and all of them is uh part of a t- yeah ben grimm origin i didn't know that Shit, no i don't know i don't know about reed richards ben grimm is definitely a uh, pilot oh yeah that makes sense because he's the one who flies their ship when they go into yeah. the storm I guess I don't, I don't actually know about, it, Richard, now that I think about it. So I think, I think it's cool the way they do this origin. this one. And it's obviously very topical. And with a, uh, with a cinematic universe like this, you have, you don't have to worry as much about retroactive continuity and stuff because, you know, they don't have to worry about keeping this universe going for decades and decades and decades. So it obviously makes perfect sense that you tied in because it was 2008 and that's what was going on at the time. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's um, kind of weird to remember that 2008 because of all the technology they're using, like his phone. And I'm like, man, that's like, yeah, <laughs> it's like, don't put it on MySpace. I was like, man, it really was 2008, wasn't it? That was a year that yeah. happened. So tying into that, I had some things I want to talk about in reference to the comic differences specifically. Right? I just thought it'd be as good a time as any to bring them up. Right. Um. So Tony, like we said, in the comics after this, um, Tony is obviously like a playboy beforehand but when this happens to him he gets a lot more serious and he stays that way for like ever like Tony Stark in the comics is much more stoic um and less quippy than in the MCU and that's obviously a result of Robert Downey Jr. because like you know people say said a lot Iron Man in the MCU is kind of just Robert Downey Jr. in real life <laughs> yeah. like he kind of just acts in many ways similar to how he just is it, yeah. yeah. Just how he is. I mean, I don't know, but that's the, that's the impression he Well, I know him personally, so I think it's pretty excellent. That's definitely a big change. Is that he really wasn't as quippy and jokey and funny and stuff in the comics? That's not really how he is. Mm-hmm. He is a lot more serious, he's a lot more like by the books in a lot of ways. So, yeah, just an interesting change. And he's an um, alcoholic he ever, in the comics. Yeah, they they deal with that a lot more. Pepper is different. Mostly just in that it, I guess it was it was right around this time, the time this movie came out, in the comics, they they kinda of fired up something kind of a relationship. But traditionally that's never been a thing. For the decades of her existence, she was just his like secretary assistant kinda, character. And traditionally she had a relationship with Happy Hogan when they were married and then Happy Hogan dies and then that's kinda when, when Tony Stark slides on in there. <laughs> um what a what a class act! Yeah, right around again, right around the time this movie came out, actually, when it's also around the same time that she is given a suit of her own when the when that rescue arc happens, she gets the rescue armor. Hmm. Uh, but so yeah, that's a difference. Is that it? Obviously, it doesn't totally come to fruition in this movie, obviously, but you can tell from this movie on they were obviously going for the Tony Stark, Pepper Potts like romance. Yeah, right. Like, again, they don't totally fulfill it in this movie. But there's also no, there's obviously not even a hint of an inkling that she's gonna end up happy. Is there? No, no, no. Poor John Fevreau, <laughs> And then the yeah, other one is sort of Brody. He's also kind of different. In the comics, there's not. I, I think the big difference. I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not an expert. But in the comics, I don't think they're school buddies. Like this movie seems to imply that they went to college together, right? And that's how they met. Right. Yeah. I don't think that's that's an element of it in the comics at all. I'm pretty sure. He, uh, is just hired to work at Stark Industries, and that's kind of how they know each other. Mm. Um, I also think for that matter, he's like, he's not active duty in the comics like he is in this, right? And throughout most of the MCU, it seems he still has, is like an active duty military kind of guy. Yeah. In the comics, I don't believe that's the case at all. I, I just think that he's sort of retired from the military when he's part of the Iron Man stories. So. That's another little detail. And the other thing is uh he's a marine in comics. So not, he's obviously an Air, Air, force Air force guy. This. Yeah. I some little oh, I guess we should also mention while we're here. What did you think of the fact that it was Terrence Howard and not Don Cheadle? I like Don Cheadle better. Yeah, I, I do as well. I think he does just fine though. I don't think he's bad. He's not bad. I mean I think it's just like a like a product of the fact that I know like hindsight. It's like, well, mm-hmm. I know you're not Don Cheadle and I already like Don Cheadle being roadie. So like I sure. know I don't really care about you as an like you in this performance. Because next movie I turn on, I know mm-hmm. who I'm getting. I do think he does just fine yeah. I think he's kind of, he's obviously a little more like um jovial at times, I suppose, you say. Which can be fun. But I do agree. I I think I think Don cheadle is overall definitely the better the better choice for that role. And I also worry that like I wonder if he hadn't uh you know if he had lasted through the first movie, if he really would have been in for the long haul, like Dom Cheadle has been. Right, yeah. Um, I thought, because, I mean, at least, I mean, now, you know, actors will sign on for Marvel because they know like, well, this is going to last and carry me and like probably expand their careers. But obviously back then signing on for eight movies, nine movies of a, of a franchise, especially since you're the first movie in the franchise are trying to start. It's not, there's nothing really to work off of there. So it's not yeah. too unreasonable if someone was like, Well, I don't there's nothing to go off that this is gonna work. Yeah. I, I will say that the, the circumstances by which he left are kind of or not even kind of are very unfortunate. Yeah, it's um, that racist guy. Yeah, and like there's this element of I, I believe in the first movie, I want to say uh Terrence Howard had the was paid the most of anyone in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um and for the second movie, because Robert Downey was such a risk. Jon Favreau, who was also the director of this movie, right, really wanted him. And his studio was not uh, super, super excited about the process of that. And I think, I think literally like his insurance was very high and everything. And I think he, I think Robert Downey took a pay cut to sort of like facilitate that, right? He knew that, uh, or I guess they had faith that it would be a franchise of some kind. They obviously probably didn't think of what it would be back then. Fully the scale, but they probably thought they could make something of a franchise out of this. And so the first one, we're going to kind of play it safe, right? And like I said, I think Terrence Howard made the most money. But for the second one, when they got to working on that, they were like, all right, well, now Robert Down Jr., we're going to actually give you a good paycheck. Um, And I think part of the way they wanted to work that out was to have Terrence Howard take a pay cut. And he wasn't on board with that. Perlmutter, that was his name. That uh, that guy was like it. Dick, like no one seemed to really like him. Yeah. I know Kevin Feige doesn't really like him, and he had a lot of weird views, and so yeah, he, he he had that racist comic about it. But like, oh, we'll just get rid of him. No one will, no one will notice. No one can tell. Yeah. We also, he also people this held that held the belief they can't have like a non-white guy star in a movie because nobody will watch it unless yeah, he's he, a male and white. It's like what the fuck, dude? Come on. He sucked. But yeah, apparently, let's see. Apparently, he Terrence Howard blames Robert Downey Jr. himself. Which, that doesn't seem totally fair. Yeah. Why well, is it just because that we did well? Or why would he blame Robert Downey Jr.? According to Robert Downey Jr., they did a three-picture deal to start with. And so, like, it was already worked out how much money they were going to make. And Terrence Howard wanted more.
1: Yeah. Maybe.
0: I don't know. It's not like Robert Jr. Whatever. It doesn't sound like Robert's fault, then. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah.
1: Strange.
0: I really got nothing. But, yeah. I don't think it's a big deal, like we said. It's unfortunate the way he, he left. not on good terms, mm-hmm. really. But, uh, I do think you is better overall. Yeah. And then the other big change, or I guess this, this, oh, okay, hold on. Let's talk about the 10 rings, Jack. So you, you know, and this, this is one of the other points where it reared its head that you hadn't seen these movies and you're a weirdo who doesn't <laughs> watch the Marvel movies and, like you like the Marvel movies was that, obviously, the Ten Rings played a, a massive role in Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. He into the Ten Rings. Right. Um, but you, having not seen any of the Iron Man movies, had no prior exposure to the Ten Rings. Nope, not at so, all. Not even... What did you think of them in this? Fine. as It's kind of, it's a strange thing now, because we have, the, we have like, the true Ten Rings in the MCU, as they mm-hmm. actually are, and to have this weird kind of splinter group as they're, explained away as in shang chi it's like well mm-hmm. i know these guys aren't re like aren't really the big deal and the guy who runs them is just not really the guy who runs them and like there's a lot of other well, things happening here when we saw shang chi i think i had like the, whatever you call it, sort of fan theory of it is like based off of it you know it's all kind of nebulous but i think if you depending on how you work out the timelines involved i think this movie could take place during the times when the Mandarin was not actually running the Ten Rings because he takes a break to have his family or whatever before he fires it back up again. I think that potentially is the explanation here. Yeah, I I think so. The Ten Rings as an organization didn't properly exist at this time, and so he kind of, for a period, left all the the individual kind of groups to fend for themselves. That's probably where where you produce, like, yeah, like a splinter group like this that's kind of off doing their own thing. It doesn't Mm -hmm. really seem to be. With the program, but yeah, it's kind of fun. I think it's a cool, it's a cool decision to use, right? Yeah. I think in the comics, the origin has shifted any which way. Sometimes I think it's Hydra. Sometimes it's just the Viet Cong. I don't even know. Um, but so I think doing, you know, using the Ten Rings, which is a comic organization, but also, you know, clearly, um, using them as sort of an allegory for like the Taliban or Al Qaeda or whatever. You know, insert terrorist group here. Yeah. Because again, that they kind of fit the, the time period in the setting. It's a cool, interesting kind of choice. So I like that. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I want to talk about was Obadiah Stane. So in the com that's another big change from the comics. Um, in the comics, Obadiah Stane is not. He doesn't work with or for like Tony Stark at all. He there's no there's none of this like, hey, I worked with your dad. I helped him set up the company. Um, he's just straight up a rival industrialist. Yeah, kind of like who, the guy from like, Iron Man too. Sure, yeah, he's just like Justin Hammer, essentially. He's just a rival to Tony Stark. There's not any of this like camaraderie or anything working together. Yeah. Um, and in the comics, the way they they butt heads is that Obadastain does like a hostile takeover of Stark Industries at one point, I believe. So that's a change. I guess it's kind of interesting. You know, there, there's something to be said about like the obviously the him being whatever like a. Like an ally turning oh. you know, friend turn kind of, enemy. Kind of, not race when I started, but like a mentor kind of thing yeah, to him. I guess that's more interesting. What what did you think of him in this movie? I thought I thought it was good. I I liked him. So, so he was met, he like a menace to him that was yeah. great. He had like a, well, he was all friendly and then he switches and Exactly. So that's the other big thing. Obviously this again being the very first movie in the MCU, I think his character in particular establishes something of a precedent that is not looked upon super favorably. Oh, with the evil version of the good guy well, it's it's kind of twofold it's a lot of the villains are just evil versions of the heroes like in in which is to say they have the same power set right yeah and there's also he has the sort of go evil for no reason syndrome where he appears to just on a on a whim in this movie he just takes a hard like handbrake turn into being evil and crazy yeah, and murderous um for no reason not even just like because again obviously the whole movie he's kind of evil like he's he just hiding it right but he makes a he goes a like absolute hard turn from like i don't like you tony and i just i want all the power and money for myself to i'm gonna throw this minivan full of a family at you at you and like blow it up like you know there's there's definitely a difference there i think. yeah and i think it is a fair criticism of this movie is that he doesn't really make sense because again like the whole maniacal from the inside, like, hey, I, I took over your company and everything. That works, I think, just fine. But when you take that extra step of suddenly, he's like, he's like, well, I didn't just want your company, which would have been well enough. He's like, I, I made my own super suit to kill you with, and I'm just gonna wreak havoc on this highway. Like, how do you think that was gonna end, Ob- Obadiah Stane? Yeah, like, we... like, what happens if you do murder Tony Stark, and then you're just like, ah, I've taken over this company by. By force as as is my right. Yeah, and then <laughs> as the old law decrees. It was right? the government still exists. Like your suit is not Yeah. Like you'd be like, well, Obadiah Stane, you were uh you were like the new head of Second chief, but then you committed a massive murder spree. So you're just gonna go to prison yeah. for the rest of your life. Yeah, you're in prison. We're gonna take your suit away and dismantle your company and and scrap it from parts. But it's it's the perfect weapon. <laughs> Yeah, no, we do, we know. We know. Yeah, we, we would have bought some before you went crazy. Yeah, if, if you had just sold them, um, we probably would have got a couple. Yeah, they're pretty, it's, no, it's a cool pseudo, but I, no, yeah, it's, buddy, it's It's cool, it's cool but, uh, I like it. You're insane. You've gone crazy. You're a murderer. <laughs> you know, yeah, I don't know what you're doing there, man. And this movie also kind of sets up uh, the trend, now that we have Far From Home, of uh, villains being mad that Tony Stark upstaged them and just becoming evil. Like the yeah. the scientist when he's like, he pulls in a oh, cave yeah. with a box of scrap. And he's like, I'm not Tony Stark. And that guy's fair because he's like, yeah, man, I'm not a, like a child prodigy genius. Like, I'm just true. I'm just like, he's probably pretty smart, but he's not that smart. I will say, though, I think that guy has the flimsiest reason to hate Tony Stark and want to be the villain. Yeah, because I had that same thought, of course, in this watching it again. I was like, oh, yeah, that's the guy from that. He shows up again in No Way Home. Perfect. Um. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we'll get it one day. Also, just a fun fact: that guy is a producer on the movie. That's fun. Yeah, he just is in there just for you know, kind of a cameo. And he also wasn't actually bald. They had to shave his head, which I think is kind of funny. Why did they? Why did they make him bald and they just give him hair? I don't know why he couldn't just. Be, I don't know why he couldn't just be uh, himself. I, I kind of agree that they were like, "Well, this guy needs to be bald." And He's like, "Oh, well, I'm not bald." And they're like, "All right, we'll just shave the top of your head off real quick if you don't mind." I think that's pretty funny. Also, though, the other fun fact that guy that guy's name is Peter Billingsley. He's like I said, a producer. And that's why he was involved in this movie. Mm-hmm. He is also Ralphie from A Christmas Story. Oh, he is. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't like that movie. The movie's not very good. I don't really like it either, but it's kind of a fun fact. Yeah. All right. Got anything else to say about Iron Man? Uh, not good. It. I'm just excited to see how the MCU takes it from here. Yeah. What do you what do you what do you think lies ahead to for Tony Stark? I um know. I think I'll have two more movies. I hope he doesn't die. No, I think he should die in this third. I think he should die. I think he oh, will. I think geez. but not as a hero. I don't think, I think <laughs> Oh wow. I mean, he'll he'll take an opposite turn. He'll become evil again. Man. I wonder how he's ever gonna end up. Should probably end up with Should probably end up with uh Happy like are saying right? Yeah, yeah, probably. John Fro's gotta get, have a win sometime, right? And he's making the movies, so yeah, so you can just like change the edit. Maybe like you know what? Actually, I am gonna make her end up with me. That'd be cool. I'm i I'm cool. Yeah, cool. I'm John Favreau. I'm, cool. I'm, I'm Don, happy Hogan. I'm John Favreau. Happy Hogan I, needs a win this time around. <laughs> I did it, Chef. I made Chef. Gee, chef. Yeah. I bet I have Oscars. What <laughs> if Patrick will be with me in the next one? I'm cool. Go it's on, comic accurate as well. The nerds can't. They compare. do all look very young. I was like, man, I forgot it was <laughs> like a decade ago. They're much younger. Oh, I guess one last thing to mention. Um, What do you think of Jarvis? Because that's another just comic change. In the comics, Jarvis is just an actual human butler. We're in this one. I like him because I'm mean, going to have hindsight. He just becomes all He becomes. Yeah, he's uh, pretty Vision. good. Eh? Yeah. Paul. Yeah. It saved Paul Bentley in during the recession. Good on him. Yeah. Um, he, was, he was like, I don't have any work. And John Favreau went, hey, you want to be Vision? I mean, Jarvis. And he was like, yeah, I would. I need money for my family. Good on him. Yeah. I, like, him. I like Paul Benton. Yeah,
1: good on Good him. For him.
0: He does good in this. Does well in this. Oh Jesus! And uh, yeah, he famously does all of these Iron Man movies in like a in like a couple hours. Yeah, he just sits in a room. Because it was like famously, I think for Iron Man three, it was it was like pretty close to the movie come out, and like some reporter asked him like, "Hey, how was it? How was it working on Iron Man 3? And he's like, "I haven't done it. Yet. <laughs> and they're gonna call me soon, hopefully, because <laughs> uh, you know." He's only got a handful of lines and he doesn't have to be there. He's yeah. just talking into a booth. Yeah. Probably takes him twenty minutes to record all and he of he gets that. Paid m- uh, thousands of dollars, millions of dollars. That was yeah, good for him. And then they were game. like he's like, Oh, I'm gonna do this forever. And they're like, All right, Paul, here's what we're gonna do. How would you like to be <laughs> purple? <laughs> How would you like to show up? Just, and he's like, Oh he's like, do I have he's to? Like, he's like, Do I have to? He goes, Oh, we could fire you and he's like, Ah <laughs> gosh. Ah, all right, I guess I have to be in the movies for real now. Yeah, dude, me you are gonna make me film for weeks on they're end. Gonna it, they're, they're gonna put me in prosthetics and like weird. Oh Good God, p- I have to sit in the the makeup chair. Oh, God, those makeup- Can Jarvis just be a computer again, please, please? Just kill me. Make me a computer. But yeah, uh, although I should say, around the same time again in the comics, he he was made into like a robot butler. I don't know what. Uh, to be honest, I don't know what happened to actual human Jarvis. I don't know what fate to him. I don't know what he's up to. Probably oh, died. I think he might have died in Secret Invasion, but I don't think he did because I think they got him. I think he was a scroll, but then he was also like, so then they saved him afterwards. Like he was replaced by a scroll, but then they got him from the scrolls and was like, hey Jarvis, you're you're okay, buddy? All right, now get back to work. You impossibly old man, cook cook breakfast for me again, please. Yeah, cook me some and eggs. so I like it, you butler. So yeah, in uh in the comics, when Pepper gets her rescue suit, she has a Jarvis AI, and I think that's, I think nowadays. Iron Man must also have a Jarvis say I right, probably mm-hmm. or Friday. I don't know. I don't know because again, it's one of those things where it made the jump from the movies back, like so much stuff, so many things with these the comic adaptations. When the movies get popular, the comics are like, all right, well, we should probably just do with the movies. Again. Yeah, that's you know. what they made. Uh, or did they make that Samuel that Samuel Jackson? They changed Fury to be look like Samuel Jackson, or the other way around? Kind of. He's he looks like that in the Ultimate Universe. Right. Basically, the explanation is that uh, the guy who created Nick Fury in the Ultimate Universe just just pretty much uh, without permission used Sam Sam Jackson's likeness for Nick Fury, and then at some point Sam Jackson discovered this because he like picked up a comic and was like this is this is my face. Just yes, using my face, and they're like, oh no, it's, Sam, it's because we wanted you to be in the movies all along. La- yeah, we're doing the movies now. come yeah. be. in Come the on, movies. come on, Sam, and now they are stuck with a. Oh, I guess that's one last thing to mention, Jack. Did you did you stick around for the post-credit scene? Oh, no. Jack, how are you going to know what's going to happen with Iron Man and, and Nick Fury, though? Oh, is that the scene when he's like, there was an idea? Uh, no, he doesn't say that specifically. But he's like... Oh, he loves saying that. He does love saying that. <laughs> they make him say that a lot. He's like, uh, you've just taken your first he... step into a larger world. He's like, who are you? And he's like, I'm Nick Fury, director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Have you heard about the Avengers initiative? Right, I I, did, I have seen that scene. So yeah, just that's from... what do you think is going to happen there, Jack? Do you think they're going to? Do you think they're building like an Avengers crossover? Maybe it seems pretty ambitious to me, but I don't know because as we all know, the Avengers are are really a B list. Yeah, it's um, not really a super roster. common thing. You know, i I, know. I, I'd be, you I feel like you'd be better off waiting to see if. Uh... If DC cranks out maybe like a Justice League movie, and then going from there, right? Because I love Superman. And yeah, yeah, those like, are the those more are characters I know. Sort of, sort of team, right? Like, and I mean, think, you know what? I bet the person who makes them will read the comics. Yeah, I, I bet he'll like do a really good job. Write the characters like they're edgy, like they an edgy fourteen-year-old. Yeah, I bet he'll do a really good job. I bet he won't use slow mo that much. I bet that. I mean, he'll be, you know, three hundred. That movie came out a couple of years ago. I bet the guy who yeah. did that would probably do a great job somehow on a on a Justice League movie. Don't you think? No. <laughs> Oh, I've, I I think you should never touch a superhero movie. That's strange. He did so good on, uh, on Watchmen, though. He did so well on no. Watchmen. But did he, though? But I think like he'll make every movie Watchmen when every movie can't be Watchmen because that's the point of Watchmen. You can't make every superhero movie Watchmen. Never mind. Watchmen doesn't come out till next year, so I don't know how did on <laughs> that. <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. Avengers, it seems ambitious. Because, like, what? Are they going to do, like, Thor on screen? That'd look absurd. Yeah. Big, I mean, a big, goofy nor- Norseman. With a big hammer, that's kind of silly, don't we think? Yeah, I think it's, what are they going to put Ant-Man and the Wasp in there? They live one of those movies? They're the original team. Yeah, yeah, they got to have Ant-Man and the Wasp, right? They're founding members of the Avengers. Yeah, yeah, that's that's probably true. Hmm. Hmm. As we all know, Edward Norton did a great job on the Incredible Hulk, so I hope he sticks around for a good long. That movie time. didn't come out yet. <laughs> uh, well, so who's to say, Jack? Maybe we're in our fake. Uh world here we're no in... don't break the illusion now they know we're not actually in 2008 <laughs> we're in june of 2008 so we've seen them both we've seen them both are we are mm-hmm. are we our ages now 2008 or are we how old we would be in 2008 <laughs> <laughs> well we're not talking as if we're young children are we well, so... we could be enders games kids we could reveal the publisher <laughs> yeah. we are like, <laughs> we're ender's children from enders Boys. game so iron man came out in may so we are recording this episode in like mid-june 'Cause it took us a couple weeks because we weren't like we weren't super on board with Iron Man, you know, it's kind of a new thing. It's yeah. like, should we really get out to see it? But then the reviews started come out. I was like, all right, I guess we'll go out to see it. So we weren't there day one, you know? Yeah, we weren't we weren't in the in the line. Midnight screen. No, nah. so we saw you know, it's middle of June. We've seen Iron Man and Incredible Hulk. Incredible Fog. Hulk. he six around for a good long while. Yeah. Edward Norton, he's got a good head on his shoulder. He probably won't. He was in Fight Club. He was in Fight Club, I like that movie. Yeah. I but I don't know what the movie I like Tyler Durden. I think Not he's a- he's the guy you should focus on. Hold on. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> All right. Akitech. All right. Have you seen, Jack, the snail meme? Yes. Are you familiar with the snail meme? I, am, I thought we should talk about I am familiar the with the snail, snail hypothetical. I was asked this hypothetical so, by my friends two years ago, probably. All right, so let's lay it out. Are you familiar with it or the people? Oh, well, yeah. Well, I brought it up, didn't I? Well, I'm just trying to talk <laughs> to you, man. What the fuck, man? Haven't I? have I? Uh, just trying to talk to you, ha- man. Haven't I just started this? This show's about right, talking. So the to immortal uh, meme revolves around this hypothetical from this, this old internet hypothetical from like years back. Now the uh, the exact origin of it is is debated. It's 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 the subject of, of heated discussion. On many an internet forum and many a chat room i'm sure but i think it's commonly attributed to rooster teeth video of some kind mm-hmm. um, it's also like then, a red button kind of meme, i think yes there's that red button meme there's a reddit post that some people uh frequently will refer to but i think the exact word of it is that that rooster teeth one but basically it amounts to it's like the either or of like, all right, I got this one. So you and a super intelligent snail both get $1 million and you both become immortal. However, you die if the snail touches you. It always knows where you are and slowly crawls towards you. So I think that's essentially the I think that's essentially the original version. No, yeah, do you agree? Yeah, and then the additional question is how long could you survive? Um, here's another version, which is there's you get $10 million. So you're not immortal, but it's got the snail. I the one I've always heard is the immortal one. You say you get money and you're immortal, right? I think that's important. Right. Do it. So basically, I want to start by saying, Jack, would you would you take the million dollars to be immortal and, and become immortal with the snail? But you got to deal with the snail because I think I would. Yeah. Under the the original terms of it. Yeah. Because my thought is like, now there's obviously some specifics. And I don't know. Maybe they intentionally leave these kind of vague, but you would kind of wonder, like, "Hey, where does the snail start?" Yeah, that's you know that's I mean? always a question. That's an interesting question. Um, and there's, I think, there's a couple like um, way. There's like a, I have heard other incarnations of this where like the snail starts near you, and like like a, far enough away that you can like move, and does it moves mm-hmm. as the snail moves. And it will always break out of whatever you put it in eventually. I was going to say, so I was going to talk about the, yeah, the uh, the further sort of stipulations that have been added on. So over the years, people have added that one, that you cannot trap it. Because that, under the original terms, that seems like the easy answer, right? Just trap it. Yeah. Um, And people will get, it, I've seen people like break it down, like, well, technically speaking, you know, when you're talking about immortal, right, literally endless amounts of time. You're never going to trap him for truly ever, right? Because it's like, well, if you put him in a metal box and and cover that box in concrete and dropped him in the ocean, eventually it's going to wear through. And that is true, but I think you get enough time, surely, right? My thought is if you have the million dollars and infinite time, you can easily make yourself um, into like an incredibly wealthy man, right? Mm -hmm. One of the richest people on earth. I think if you could effectively trap a snail, you could create a, a, a shell corporation whose entire purpose is is the entrapment of that snail, right? That's very true. Not dissimilar to, this is, this is a bit of a deep cut, not dissimilar to the, uh in the Dark Tower, when they create that corporation whose entire job, pretty much, is just to protect the rose. Yeah. I would have an entire corporation that just keeps that that snail under constant guard. And if the prison starts, you know, because... This little case starts to wear through. They they maintain it. They repair it. You know, they transfer it because it's not deadly to them, right? Yeah. So they can just hold it. And so I think that version may be a little too easy. I could kind of concede that because it does seem like you'd just be able to do that, right? And just win. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's near you. And people are like, how would you know if it's the snail? Well, surely it's the snail that's walking towards you, right? Yeah. Like constantly on a, on a straight line path. To you. Because I think that's the... I think that's the spirit of it, right? Is that the snail is constantly just going on a straight line path to you. Essentially, you can like, you can practically just change the snail with some kind of inanimate object, really. Right? Yeah. The point is that it's coming towards you at a very slow rate, but on like a straight line path, it never stops. It just is constantly determined to head right to where you are. Right? Because I've seen versions where I think they get too, they they had too many qualifiers. And it becomes impossible at a certain point mm-hmm. and not worth taking the money. So I've seen versions, Jack, where they say that the snail is super intelligent. It's as smart as you are. You or I, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, or, well, maybe not as you or I, Jack. as you and I are both very intelligent men. Yeah, yeah we're... Maybe, uh, <laughs> we are super intelligent even among men. So a super intelligent snail would not be as smart as us. It would be super intelligent for a, for a snail, of course. But not not quite leeching our, yeah. our supreme intelligence. True levels of... <laughs> so he's he's smart though he's smart as like a, as like an average person, maybe Because mm-hmm. then people are like, well, if he's smart, he's utilizing transportation, jack, yeah. he's hitching rides on cars and planes because he's a snail, he can just sneak into like the cargo hold of a of a plane and because he's also immortal, he won't die. he's just going right? I yeah. think at that point he's too smart. it becomes impossible, right because because yeah, then then you're running from just like a person, yeah, exactly. A person who is not even beholden by like society, like he doesn't even have to get plane tickets or like, you know, buy a car. He just sneaks around, like he just hitches on everything and because he's a snail. No one even notices. Like at that point, there's nowhere on earth you could go that he wouldn't be getting to you within a matter of like less than a wow. week. I feel like. Yeah. Right. Because a lot of it, a lot of people's arguments are like, "Oh, I would just split my time between, you know, Asia and America or something," and Every time, you know, I would work out the math of, like, how long it takes him to get to me, and I would wait till he got to me, pretty much, and then I would just fly across the planet, and then he'd have to, you know, make his way all the way over there, and then I'd just do that over and over again, right? Mm-hmm. But if the plane, if the snail is also hatching rides on planes and stuff, he's going to be catching up with you far too quickly. Yeah, within days. You're going to have to constantly be on the move, and that's 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 not a life worth living, Jack, Mm-mm. I feel. What do you, what did you say? Uh, yeah, I think if you add too much to it, it gets, again, too complicated. Impossible. Yeah, it's just, eventually it's not a snail. It's like a, like the whole point of the snail is I mean. that it's just like, it's not, doesn't really think, it just has one purpose. And it's, exactly, and it's finds you. That's what I'm saying. It's practical. I think if the spirit of the original question is that the snail is barely even, like, animate. Like I said, it's just like this constant, slow-moving, determined, just in a straight line towards you, and you can't let it touch you. Mm-hmm. If you add all these things about how smart it is, I feel like it becomes too much. Yeah. Um, it's, too, it's overly complex for the sake of it. Because I've seen people even make the argument that if it was actually super intelligent, it would be no, it would be smart enough to wait for you. And I'm like, well, in that point, it's impossible. It's impo- If the snail is outsmarting me, I can't beat The only reason, again, it works is because you know the snail is constantly going to be moving towards you, and you can trick it. You can trick it to be like, hey... I'm gonna wait till the very last second, and the snail's gonna be like, "Oh, I almost got him! I'm right there!" And then I just fly across the planet. and He's like, "Oh shit! I gotta start over." But if he's like smart enough to wait for you, that, that's that's too smart. He's gonna beat me. I'm gonna lose like within years. Cause after like three years, I'm gonna give up. Yeah. I'm gonna be like, "Man, I do not feel like flying every day of my life. It wasn't worth it. I can't even I can't even bask in my newfound wealth because the snail is always on me. Never leaves." I I would live I would live a like a less than normal life. <laughs> It'd just be even worse. At I'd be like fifty, and I'd be like, all right, snail, just get me. I guess I can- I'm sick of this. So I just want to bring this up in the context of TikTok. Now you don't have a TikTok, do you, Jack? I do not. You're a better man than I then. but I have a TikTok, and I just want to bring up a couple choice selections of funny TikTok videos about the snail that I think are actually kind of fun. So basically, people created like a. uh really something of a moral dilemma out of this, Jack. Out of out of what what would life mean if you were the snail? Like or you're in this content. Like they get pretty deep with it, which is kinda of funny. So like there's this one, Jack, where he's it says, uh, you realize that the snail was the only one who was really there for you all those years. <laughs> That'd be a grim realization, wouldn't it, Jack? Right, yeah. You had uh once what if once you got sick of being immortal, the snail stopped chasing you and you would have to chase the snail. That's pretty grim, Jack. That's pretty grim, but you just catch the snail. Yeah, but you don't know where it is. You don't have that sense. Can you imagine, sc- co- sc- like, combing the world for a snail? Especially if the snail does not want to find you. Oh. Can you imagine, Jack? I think this would make make it fun again. That would be the benefit of my my keeping it, like, locked up forever, is that I'd know where it was. So when the time came, I'd just be like, all right, give me the snail. Give me the snail. It's, um, it's over. Do what you want. Uh, this guy says, I do not dread the moment that the snail succeeds in chasing me. But in the moment that I turn and chase the snail, <laughs> that's pretty. That's funny. We're all we're all about uh, that man. kind of faux dramatic kind of speech. Yeah, in 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 memes. Yeah, that's good stuff. This guy says, "Me in the uh, year th- 21,343, wanting the snail to end it, knowing I can't let him because while I yearn to end my meaningless existence, I wouldn't wish that same fate to him." <sighs> Because if you die, Jack, what purpose does the snail Snail's have? snail is a machine with no purpose. A game with no prize. This guy says it's a year three million. You've watched all of your different families and friends die over the years. You can't even remember most of them. The millions of faces all blur together. You just wish someone would stick around with you. You continue to search for a way to end the suffering. When you turn around and see that damn snail, <laughs> you walk towards it and embrace the end. <laughs> I've seen a lot of those. which just like me on the me on a beach. As the snail approaches, knowing it's the end yeah. and welcoming it or something. This is uh, me and the snail avoid touching. Me watching the snail avoid touching me in the year. This is just a crazy year, like 6 million. After the snail raises, realizes that touching me leaves it with no purpose, meaning that us touching would end both of our lives as we knew it. <laughs> uh, this one I thought you'd enjoy, Jack. This is me finishing one piece in 3153, <laughs> and that snail shows up, so I finally give up running away. <laughs> That's good. I thought that was pretty uh, funny. That's a good One Piece meme. Yeah. So, that'd be you. You'd utilize it just so that you could see the end of One Piece. And I mean, I could just could see, see the in One Piece right now. It's You say that. But I say that. Cause, is that true? Yes. Will it not go on forever? I mean, I, all good things must come to an end. This one is me and the immortal snail, 20 billion years in the future, floating in space as the universe collapses. <laughs> uh, a lot of these get pretty uh, pretty dramatic, I think. Yeah. This guy said <laughs> it's the year 3056. You realize that immortality was a curse rather than a blessing, and you see the world crumble. Now, that to me, I think the year is a little off. That's not... Oh, wait, no. thirty 46. Never mind. That's very far in the future. Yeah. It's like That's a, enough time to... It's over yeah, yeah, a thousand man. years. Was a curse rather than a blessing as you see the world crumble. You continue to outlive your 72nd wife, and you can't remember your parents' faces or names as they fade in distant memories, along with friends and family you once loved but now forgot. You have started to come to terms with the immortal snake... <laughs> That's, that's pretty dramatic. They're really they're really getting into the philosophy of it, oh, yeah. aren't they, Jack? really cranking it up. Because that is what would happen. That's that's the curse of immortality, yeah. right? You'd forget everyone and everything you ever knew. Everyone around you would die. You'd begin to forget even their faces. And their names and nothing would mean anything. At that point, together. is it worth it, Jack? Was the snail worth it? I mean, I got a million was the, dollars. Was the, the money? Yeah, it's pretty good, actually. I mean, yeah. Maybe I would take a the million. <laughs> <laughs> I maintain you just hold on to the snail. Because you can always get out. Now, I think a lot of them may add that it's, like, a, a particularly, like, painful death when the snail does get to you, but eventually you wouldn't mind, right? Yeah, eventually just like, just to feel anything. I've, I've had enough. technically. please. I guess it's fun. It also reminded me of the TikTok trend, and I actually saw one, to my, to my delight, that crossed over this. Now, again, you don't have a TikTok, and this isn't really—I don't think this trend exists outside of TikTok, like the snail name does. Right. But there was a while where there was a TikTok trend where uh, people would all contribute. You know, you know how TikTok works, right? You get the audio, and then everyone can mm-hmm. use the audio to make their own videos with it. Yeah. And all under this one audio, um, people would contribute to creating this, this storyline about a a uh, woodchuck war in the future, uh, where the woodchucks would rise up and and wage war against us, and there'd be all but a a small human enclave left as the as the woodchucks carried out genocide against us, right, of course, uh, which is pretty fun. There's a lot of, a lot of views about it. it, the, the woodchuck wars and the, and the the human resistance. And I saw someone actually tie this in because they did they did one where it was a, uh, POV. You're sitting across from me in the Great Woodchuck Wars, but we hear the signal that the salt line has been broken. He's here. <laughs> so as a bit of a crossover, where the the snail exists in the in the woodchuck war as well. Which is pretty fun, I think, or I'm just insane. The internet's ruined me. One of the two, probably both. Probably, probably both. Probably the second one. I. Yeah, well, yeah. If we had to. Try, I mean, if we had to lean more into one or the other. Yeah. It's probably the second one. I mean, I I don't have TikTok, but I have Instagram, and all the TikToks from TikTok go to Instagram, and I get caught in the same loop. And I'm like, fuck, I don't want to doom scroll. There I, you go. I have to stop. I'm like, I'm doom scrolling. I had, I literally have to stop. Like, there's not much doom on TikTok. though. kind of just goofy. Well, it depends on where you look. Isn't Doom scrolling like the idea that you're just seeing constantly like bad news that's making you sad? TikTok's just goofy oh, this about snails. Oh, I I guess so. I thought Doom Scrolling was that you just scroll with no purpose. Like you, you don't you're not even you're not even like conscious of what you're doing, like you're just doing it as like an action to do and you're not really I think that's definitely part of it. I thought it was but particularly think, bad news. I I think yours is probably correct and like the way it's supposed yeah. to be. And I just don't know what it means. Yeah, this says doom-scrolling and doom-surfing are new terms referring to the tendency to continue to surf or scroll through bad news, even though that news is saddening, disheartening, or depressing. That's what I thought it was. But I think it just generally means you just go forever. Yeah. Yeah. Towards annihilation. All right. Unless you have anything to add about the snail, I think I, I'm I'm all set for the week, Jake. All right. Well, I guess we'll, we'll end the show right here. As always, uh, we appreciate you listening every week, and we hope you tell your friends and spread the good word of our show the insanity that it may or may not bring. Uh, as always, you can find us on Twitter at architectjazz, jazz jazz one Z. You can email us at jazz at gmail.com. Always email us with your suggestions, questions, comments, concerns, and uh, maybe we'll do the things you ask us to, or maybe not. You can always find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, slash Audible, and I believe that's it. Oh, and Podbean. Excuse me, I always forget about Podbean. And as always, our logo was done by a friend of the show, Jeffrey Gonzalez. You can find him, as always, at Inkocean.jpg and Redbubble. And as always, we wrote it, we produced it, we built all the sets. Say goodnight to the people, Zach.
1: Good night. Good night, and Godspeed.